That is Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Dickel. Hello and welcome to another episode of Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads Podcast. Hi, Alex. Hi, Jan. We're the worst parents in America. Yes, we haven't been able to share this with you guys before, but we are so excited. Listen, there were lots of options. We were on this television show, Parent Test. We've talked about it in previous episodes. I don't know whether we should have been on it or not. We did it. It's done now. But here's the thing. There was voting. We didn't know there was voting before we yeah. decided to go on the show. If we had known there was voting, we wouldn't have gone on the show. But that's not important yet either. We were voted off first. Number one. Worst parents in America. <laughs> Yay! So don't take any recommendations from <laughs> us. But it's, it's really important to talk about Stranger Danger. We are, yes. the, the whole episode, uh, the last episode uh, when we were voted off is uh, about Stranger Danger. And we didn't want to show our clip. Yeah, but before we even talk about that, I think a lot of our listeners probably haven't seen the show. And so just very quickly, there were 12 sets of parents from all different walks of life, and each set of parents and families participated in a bunch of challenges. And the challenges are designed to see how parents and kids work together to deal with certain types of things. I'll tell you from my point of view, I know I'm speaking for Jan as well, 11 of those 12 challenges were delightful. They were adorable and sweet. These were intended to be subjects that the parents could then talk about, right? Unfortunately, the production decided to do one final challenge that we found, I'm going to use the word reprehensible. They called it Stranger Danger. So they called it Stranger Danger. And the idea of it was that Jan and I were supposed to pretend that we were unavailable or out of the house or, or whatever. And then, you know, a guy from the electric company comes and knocks on the door. And the test is to see, will our children know not to go and let a stranger into the house? The subject is meaningful and worth talking about. The way it was done, not meaningful, in my opinion, and the fact that they wanted to show all of this video and all of the drama of will the child open the door or won't they, and here's this guy standing outside of the door with a hard hat on, and, you know, you're supposed to imagine that this guy is not with the electric company. He's actually a horrible pedophile or whatever. I found it unnecessarily sensational. Out of the four parents, including us, uh, three of the four children opened the door and only one did not. <laughs> so just uh, thinking about that. But I, I just want to say, why didn't we think it was meaningful? Because the whole set and scenario was something that was not happening, really. So that was really directed by the production. Yeah. They told us, even though we heard the call, like, you know, usually we're in the house. There, there's no chance in this, in this age that they're staying by themselves. Yeah. And our house is very small. So I heard the ringing. The dog is barking. So right. I'm supposed to ignore all of that, which in real life I, I will not. And that happened after four days of filming in our house. And the child who opened the door, we're not going to say who it was, the, he told me, wait, but it was like fixing the cameras. Like he wasn't really understanding after four days of camera and electricity, it's kind of, to him, it made sense. I want to say something right now. All of you are hearing my husband talk and thinking, wow, he sounds awfully defensive. 
And you know what? We are defensive. This is parenting. And those of you who are already parents know this. Those of you who are thinking about becoming parents, brace yourselves. It is incredibly hard to expose your own way of raising your children to the world so that everyone can judge it and talk about the way you've done it. We thought that it was worthwhile and important to participate in this show so that people would see a gay couple raising children in a loving way. And I think there are some things you don't need to do on television. There are some things you don't need to show. And this video, these videos of, will the child let a pedophile into the house? It's not that. It's showing three videos one after the other of child opening a door for well, to a stranger. Fine. That's the sensation. So we believe that these clips are harmful for our children. And the safety of our family and that comes first yes all i saw in my mind and i remember telling the producers after um because should we say that we want to drop out yes okay well we actually never finished the challenge because alex ran out in the middle and stopped everything and we told them that we want to quit the show yeah we, we actually to, asked the production to leave to, to leave the house, house yeah. and we didn't want to take um and then like there were negotiations until they agreed not to show our videos and then uh, we came back. But uh, at that moment, I was thinking to myself, what will they, the homophobe people will think about the gay couple? Yeah, right? I mean, I, I, was, I was thinking I'm yeah. carrying on my shoulder a whole community and I'm, all I'm trying to do is to show that we're, we're good enough to be parents. And here you go, showing the whole world that gay men cannot take care of their children because they're going to be abducted so, by the electric company. So if you'll forgive me, just as a reminder, there were two other sets of parents who are not gay and their children yes, also. It, it doesn't matter, but I'm you know how, what homophobe thinks. No, you know I don't what? because I'm not one okay. of them. And also we believe that it was harmful to society. The visual yes. of how to guide to predators with 75% success, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. it's like, why, why would a channel like Disney uh, do that. You ABC, know, Disney. Disney, yeah. Disney want to yeah. show 75% of, of, of success in, ab in abduction. Yes. So people who is not going to watch the show don't know about this fear or maybe don't, you know, they don't have it visualized and they didn't see their interaction between us. Uh, you have 75% success. And it felt wrong. It felt like TV is focusing on creating horror scene without thinking about the consequences other than the rating. Yes. And the, prob the big problem is, you guys, 99% of the abductions in America are not by strangers. So... Yeah, they create fear, this fear around strangers and be afraid of, of people you don't know. And on the other hand, we want to raise kids who eat the world, kids who are friendly and make connections. Yeah. And fear of strangers is not, is not the answer. It's just separate us even more. And that really is so alarming and sad. And I'm angry and I'm terrified that um, national TV calls out stranger danger and deals with this so important subject. And it's so sensitive. And they deal it so superficially yes. and carelessly. And this is why we're doing this episode. Um, Look, I, I want to say, you know, we are probably not people who should have gone on reality TV. Yeah, it was not. probably a mistake. But it was in my opinion, really, this was kind of a black mark on a show that otherwise could have been sweet and interesting in certain ways. 
I was really, I was really The reason really why it's in the beginning is for ratings. It's for well, se- sensational. They want people to continue to it's watch a the, ra- the series. Yep. Um, so the big question about Stranger Danger is how to balance out being careful of people who can harm you, not necessarily strangers, right. and raising kids who are kind and friendly and make connection with people and are unafraid. Yep. Uh, we turned to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children to get uh, an unsensational truth. Yeah. Um, they track abductions and attempted abductions in the United States. And to begin with, th- when we told them about this whole thing, they had a problem with participating in an episode called Stranger Danger. Right. Uh, w- this, this episode of the podcast, we called Stranger Danger because we were responding to the parent test uh, ABC television show. It's also called but, Stranger Danger. Right, exactly. But this organization were so concerned that this is the wrong emphasis that they almost wouldn't do the interview yes. with us. So uh, Susan Kennedy, who's going to talk to us in a minute, she leads the Center's Prevention, Outreach, Training, and Partnership Program. She has a degree in human development and psychology from Harvard. Ooh la la. I know. <laughs> and and I want to go right to the interview with her. I have to say that I cried during the interview. That's why you hear Alex asking all of the questions. I was sitting there crying. Uh, I cried during the edited the editing process of this interview <laughs> and I'm probably still crying right now. Um, so it's this whole thing I was a wreck like this whole thing really breaks me and I think the reason the main reason why is that I don't want people to be afraid of each other. I'm yeah. a person who's afraid of people. I have social, deep social anxiety. Yeah. And this is so wrong. I don't want people to grow up like I did. So you guys, please listen carefully. She will tell us about how to train our kids, how to talk to them really about this subject and how to create really joyful kids who are willing to make connections with good people because there are good people in the world. Not all of the people out there are strangers who can harm you. Hi, Susan. Uh, So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So we want to jump right in and give us a little bit of a lay of the land on what child abduction really is in the United States. How is it broken down? You know, what is happening and what really isn't happening, right? The the bad news and the good news. Sure. Um, So I'll start with the good news. The good news is that abductions, as we traditionally think about them, are very rare. So if you look at the data from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, where I work, in 2021, we had over 25,000 kids intaked into our system as missing. And of those kids, um, very few of them, about 142 of them, were what we called non-family abductions. So that's when someone like a stranger abducts a child. So we're talking about 142 kids. 142 cases versus 25,000. So they're very rare when you look across the country. Um, And then even our our next, our other kind of abduction case that's more common is when a family member abducts a child, but that's still only about 1,400 cases. So much more common than stranger abduction, and we can talk about that. But when you look at the great, the the bigger picture, as you said, the landscape, these cases are very rare. Um, So I think that's really the most important thing to know. The vast majority of our cases, about 90% of them, are kids who have run away from home or from the person where they're staying, if they're in foster care, something like that. 
So when we're thinking about missing kids, that really is the much bigger piece of the pie in terms of prevention and understanding what happens to these kids. So that's really the first piece that I would share is that these things, even though they make the news, even though they haunt our nightmares, they're very rare. And so that's that's the right. good news to share. Oh, that's great. So um, based on that, I guess, also still staying at a pretty high level, what is the general guidance that you guys provide to parents when we're trying to educate our children about these general dangers? What should our emphasis be? What isn't really that critical to, you know, drive into the heads of our children, etc.? Yeah, so we have a child safety program called Kids Smarts, which is really designed for elementary school kids. And that's what a lot of us are thinking about as we're thinking about abductions. Um, and one of my one of the rules of Kids Smarts that I really like for parents to think about is a rule called check first. So this is when we tell our kids, you know, if there's a change in plans, so somebody is coming to the bus stop to pick you up and it's not who you expected to pick you up. Um, you know, you want to check with your parent or guardian first, you know, before you make plans to go with a friend somewhere, you want to check first. If someone approaches you, say you're playing at the playground and someone approaches you and says, I can't find my puppy. Will you help me come look for it? You want to go home and check with your parent before you go with that person. And I like check first because it gives, it's an action step. It's something to do. Um, and to me, it's not as overly fearful as like run away from strangers, stranger danger, like those kinds of messaging we actually want to stay away from for a variety of reasons. But, you know, what you can say to your child is like, hey, check first before something like that happens, before you accept any gifts from people, before you, you know, come to see someone's new car or walk with them somewhere, say someone says they're, they're lost and they need directions, check first. Because we know from our research on not just abductions, but we also track attempted abductions. We know that those are some of the tactics that people, strangers will use if they want to abduct a child. It's, it's kind of appealing to, you know, kids' innocence and their desire to help and, um, or desire to have, you know, candy or presents or that kind of thing. So instead of telling our kids, you know, stranger danger, be fearful of anyone you don't know, we can say, hey, check first before you, you do something like that. Th those kinds of people should always be talking to adults first. I like that. Um, you mentioned stranger danger. So please do tell us, what is the problem with the term and the approach? So one problem with stranger danger is that it's confusing for kids because there are actually a lot of situations where we want them to see strangers as helpful. So one example would be if they get lost at the shopping mall or, or a state fair or something like that, we want them to approach a security guard, a police officer, um, you know, someone with a name tag is the way we put it to kids. You know, if you're in Target or if you're, you know, at the store, um, you know, an employee in some kind of uniform or a name tag. If you're lost, we actually want kids to seek out help from those people. So if you tell them full stop, strangers are dangerous, then that doesn't allow them to get assistance from helpful adults. I also think the other problem with it is it's confusing for kids because if you think about it, there are many circumstances in which, just like that circumstance, we want them to trust adults. So another example might be school or daycare. You know, you would introduce them to the teacher, but there are substitutes. The school counselor comes in. And, and if we were literal about that advice, then kids would never trust, you know, a new teacher or the new principal or something. So kids have to be somewhat they have to be open to trusting adults and kind of understanding some nuance there in terms of role, in terms of who might be helpful. And so just saying like, never trust any strangers is not helpful. It doesn't allow them to get help or to trust people they do need to trust. Um, I would say additionally, the problem with stranger danger is it puts the emphasis on strangers as people who can harm children when unfortunately the reality across kind of victimization types is that they're most likely to be harmed by people that they know and people that they trust. And so for right. parents, when we only focus on stranger, what we're missing is the other piece of that, to talk to kids about behaviors that are not okay, 
um, things they should check first with us about and to be aware and not to feel guilty if they think someone in their circle of trust is harming them and then they want to get help. We're, we're adding to that. We're adding that barrier and that confusion when, you know, the person harming them is someone they know when we only use stranger danger. I've been on your website uh, as part of the research. And, and by the way, I have to say that like going through the website, missingkids.org, is like you need a, a tissue, like a, a box of tissue next to you because it's so hard to... to... Anyway, um, I read that uh, 63% of Amber Alerts are actually family abduction. And I wanted to ask you, so we, you touched a little bit about that, and I want to emphasize the, the fact that you know, it's mostly people who we know, who the kids know, who actually do the abduction. So what are the signs that us parents can be aware of? And if we tell our kids something, what would it be? Yeah, I, I, family abductions are tough um, in terms of thinking through how we would talk through something like that with, their, with the child. Because, of course, by definition, you're talking about someone in their family um, abducting them when it's not their custodial time. Right, that, that's what a family abduction is. Yeah. Um, and so for kids, I think that check first rule still kind of applies. If you understand that you know, your mother is supposed to pick you up today and then um, you know, maybe your, your father shows up and, and you know as a kid that they have different custody arrangements, that Tuesdays aren't dad's day or, or Wednesdays aren't mom's day. Or you know how these can happen sometimes as a child is placed in foster care. And then the non-custodial parent takes them. So, so kids, as they're old enough to understand this is what's supposed to happen today after school and letting them know, hey, if, if a different person shows up, check with the teacher before you go with that person. That's kind of, um, you know, as much as we can expect from kids, I think, in these circumstances. And then I think most of the prevention is, is on the adult end and making sure, you know, you have your court orders um, as you need to, you're communicating with daycare, childcare, foster care providers, who's ever taking care of your child, what the proper orders are, and when there are orders in place for a certain person not to be able to pick up. Um, and then there's some kind of more um, kind of specific things um, that you can do as a parent if you're concerned about this. And then the nice thing is I know that you need a box of tissues to go through a website. I, I totally um, agree and, and endorse that, <laughs> that um, feeling. Yeah. But the good news is the National Center has quite a few resources. So if you're a parent in yes. a situation, say there's domestic violence um, or there's been a history of abductions or you've got a, a non-custodial parent with ties to a foreign country in particular, that's something to watch. We at the National Center can provide some um, consultation and resources to you and to attorneys working with you and, and foster care or, or um, you know, other folks who are working with that family because it does get um, kind of specific at that point. But, the, but for the kids, that's the most important thing I would say is that check first piece. One of the things that we've both heard from some other sources is this question of what indicators you can use with your children that there's something that they should bring back to their parents. And one example that we've heard consistently is secrets. This issue that if somebody you know, right, it might be somebody who you're even relatively close to, is asking you to keep a secret, you the child, to keep a secret from your parents, even if it's it's a couch. Candy, in, but don't tell my parents. Right, don't exactly. Now, mind you, this is something that I do. We do between <laughs> each other when I give my children things and say, "Don't tell." But that's not important now. Um, what? Um, what? Can you expand on that for us? Like, how should that work? How should we communicate to our kids that um, if if you're being set up in situations where you're being asked not to tell us something, how how do you phrase that? How do you present that? Yeah, and it is a little tricky because I do think there are obviously lots of 
not lots, but there's some kind of innocuous secrets we want our kids, you know, a surprise present, you know, don't tell, <laughs> right. you know, don't tell him what I bought, you know, for Christmas or, or that kind of thing, or, um, you know, what the birthday party that's coming up. Um, so it is another one of those things where there's a little more nuance than we like to think. But I do um, believe in general, we should tell our kids, you know, it's not okay to keep secrets from, you know, your adults, from your parents. We used to really, and, and we still do this a little bit, but I found it to be tricky for kids to understand secrets and surprises. So one way to explain this to a kid is say, if it's a surprise, a surprise is something that makes someone happy. A surprise is something that you keep, it's a temporary secret. So it's only until we get to the birthday party Saturday. And then, you know, he's going to open the present and he'll know what it is. So you don't, but secrets are things you're kept, asked to keep forever. They're things that can hurt someone. Um, And I I don't know if it's, I don't know if those two terms are the right terms, but that idea of like, I don't need to know that, you know, Susie took her sister's doll and uh, it's under the bed. Like, I don't, that kind of level, like, it doesn't, it's not important. So what I use with my own kids is I ask them, like, is this something about someone being hurt? Is it something that makes you uncomfortable? Um, you know, is it about you being hurt? And those things I, I need to know. But if it's something like, you know, so-and-so took my Pokemon card, like, whatever, that's childhood. You know, like, some of that you can kind of... Um, suss out on your own. But I do think that's important because that is something that offenders use. And the way that we can think about that as a preventative tool also is sometimes offenders will kind of test a child and see if they're going to keep a secret. So if they say, hey, I'm going to give you this candy or this chocolate, or I'm going to ask you to come back to my house after school and not tell your dad about it. Um, And then the dad calls and says, hey, you know, Jimmy came home and said that you invited him over to, you know, your house after school. That's not, you, you need to check with me. He needed to check with me and he checked with me. Then the offender can think, okay, this isn't, this kid's not going to be an easy target for me to do something because he's going to tell. So that's the way we can think about it in a preventative way um, is if we establish and establish with other adults too, you can be very proactive and say, Hey, um, you know, please don't give my kid any candy or invite them over. They always have to check with me first about, you know, after school play dates or, um, and you can think about this too, even, you know, a big gathering or something you've got, you know, someone wants to play video games in the basement. Um, and maybe you have some boundaries around being alone one-on-one, even with a relative or whatever your supervision rules are, you know, again, it's not, you can't let him play Fortnite and not tell me he's going to come check with me before he plays Fortnite. And it's not okay that he has secrets with you that are kept from me. That's never okay in our house. And that gives the kid the signal. Um, but again, it also kind of puts adults on, on watch. Um, so, so that's how, kind of how I think about it. I do think it's okay to have a rule, no secrets, but then you do have to think kind of like you were alluding to is if we're making that rule confusing by sometimes asking the kids to do it about small things. And if you're going to yeah. do that, figure out how that's messaged to your kids and say, this kind of, this is okay. Cause it's a surprise, or this is something that we're only, it's only going to be kept secret for a little time. And it's not about touching. I've seen that too. Some people say messaging like that, where, no secrets are kept about touching. And maybe that's your distinction. But explaining it in a way that's not going to have a lot of exceptions because that's where it gets confusing for kids. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on another subject um, that I that I ran into in, in the website, in uh, missingkids.org, online, online enticement. Um, and I think it's very relevant to what we're talking uh, about and it's also relevant to a previous episode that we talked about Roblox and playing online. Um, there's a 97.5 increase in between uh, 2019 and 2020. So it really goes high yes. fast. And I can understand why. 
Is there something that we can do as parents in order to prevent that and how to educate our kids uh, about that? Because our kids, like, and, and I try to talk to them about this. I don't have the, all the tools to do that. Uh, but, of course, it's the first thing that we think about when uh, our kids are talking to another person who they don't know. And they're very innocent about it. They don't get it. Yeah, um, I actually think this check first rule applies again. Um, it's just that it's so handy um, because you want your kids to be talking with you with, about their online life. So before they're downloading a new app or new game, you're going to look at it make sure you understand um, how people can communicate or not. So most games now have some kind of online play and online communication um, feature. And that's something a lot of parents aren't aware of because when we were growing up, games were just, you know, my Nintendo didn't talk to anybody else. There was no internet. Um, so that's something we need to be cognizant of. And talking to kids about who they're talking with online and, and, and how they're interacting. So, you know, if they're playing the game together and they're just chatting about the game, you know, depending on your child and their age and maturity level, maybe that's fine with you, but making sure that they know, you know, it just stays to the game. Or maybe if they're older and you're comfortable with them making friends online, that's okay with you, but you still talk about the kinds of things they need to bring to you. So things that are inappropriate, no matter who does it, like, sending explicit imagery, asking them to take nude pictures of themselves. You know, that that's something you need to come talk with me about. Or if anyone is mean to you, harassing you, if they want your address, they want to meet up, like those kinds of things. Again, your online rules are going to change depending on how old your child is and, and you know, kind of what else they have going on and what you're comfortable with. But broadly being involved in their online life is really important. And again, having this conversation that's not about who the person is, but about how they're behaving. So anyone who makes them uncomfortable, anyone who asks them to keep a secret, and it's a good idea actually to have these conversations online and offline. So when you're telling them it's never okay for someone to ask you to keep a secret from me, especially one that's about touching bodies, presence, you know, going somewhere where you don't have my permission to go, all of that applies to people you meet in real life, and all of that applies to people you meet online. And that's really important because I think you know, as much as maybe some of us parents have moved beyond stranger danger in real life, we have not moved on from it online. And we tend to have very black and white conversations with our kids about their friends in real life. And then there are these online friends. And we don't trust your online friends. We don't want you to make them. We don't want you to talk to them. And that's not realistic guidance um, for this day and age, especially as you kids get older. I mean, you think about 17, 18 yeah. year old, like people are interacting with strangers online all the time. That's how it is. And for many kids, there are many kids that form really meaningful friendships with people they know online and especially kids who are marginalized or maybe some aspect of their identity is not accepted by their family. Those online friendships can be um, even more important um, for those kids. Um, and so it's important to, again, have a nuanced conversation, um, but really checking in with your kid constantly about their online life, monitoring it as you need to. And I think the most important thing is kind of what I'm talking about, having a non-judgmental conversation with your kid. So not foreclosing the idea that they may be forming online friendships, especially as we're talking about teenagers, um, but really talking to them about, okay, who are your online friends? How do you decide who to trust? What kinds of conversations are you having? Those kinds of things. Because those are the skills your kids will need as they leave your house. And so you need to be building those over time. Uh, you know, this is this is a gay dads podcast, and um, uh, it's relevant for me to raise this question, even though it's a little bit uncomfortable for me to raise, which is, um, I assume that you guys must manage a fairly large amount of statistics on who's doing the abducting. 
You know, I'll tell you that I had a conversation, or maybe you don't, I don't know, but um, I've had conversations with my kids about, you know, dealing with uh, situations where you get lost or you're afraid of somebody that you see in the park and you can't find us or something like that. And I'm going to, in front of our listening audience, tell you what I've said to them, which is I've said, you know, find the first adult. If it's If you can find a woman, find her first. And that's because I got to tell or you, a cop. you say or, a or, 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 a cop. or a cop, right? Um, I have to say, I have trust issues with men, men. I'm not talking about gay men specifically, just men, because my perception is women aren't doing this stuff anywhere near. I mean, anywhere near the level that men are. Am I right? So I'd have to look at the abduction and attempted abduction um, research because that's not a data point I have at the top of my head. I would guess, though, that you're correct. I think across various types of victimization, men are more likely to be the offenders. Um, by how much and how much that holds true for abductions, attempted abductions, I'd have to fact check for myself. Um, so what we tell kids is to look for, you know, the, the police officer, like I said, the person with the name badge. And then we say parents with kids as being um, kind of, you know, if you have to go for a total stranger, um, that can be um, a good person to look for. Um, we don't explicitly yeah. say look for women over men, though I can certainly sympathize or, or empathize as a parent is why you would say that. But that's our advice to kids is go for you know, some kind of identified helper and then look for a parent who's got kids with them. Yeah, yeah I, like the, I like the parent idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then my final one is this. Um, you know, you're sitting in front of a sign. My, my wheel of fortune uh, skills tell me that what it says behind you is Amber Alerts Save Lives. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, and, and Oh, and by the way, I, I know a drag queen who dressed up and named herself Amber Alerts once. So, But that's really probably not relevant. Um, this is sort of on the other side of things. When I receive an Amber Alert, whether I'm a parent or not, um, what what is it that I'm supposed to do with it? Obviously, I read it, but is there is there more that the people who manage Amber Alerts want from me than just saying, "No, well, I don't know anything about this," and putting it down? Is there anything else that I can be doing that's more valuable than that? I mean, I think you know when you get that Amber Alert that physically alerts your phone. That's because we have, or whoever put out the Amber Alert, NCMEC is what we call a secondary distributor. We're not the ones who decide whether or not Amber Alert is released, but we help get word out. It's geo-targeted to you. So it's not right. the case that everyone is getting that. So there's a good likelihood that that child may be in your immediate vicinity. So, you know, not to say, you know, drop your food half eaten and run out the door, but but look at the description of the child, the description of the um, alleged abductor, the vehicle information, which is off, often included, and just kind of right. keep, keep your eyes out and kind of actively look for, okay, you know, kid in hooded sweatshirt, you know, with this person. Um, I, I mean, we do get a lot of times those recoveries are because bystanders notice that kind of stuff. So you're pumping gas and you're like, oh, actually there's, you know, the pickup truck with wow. that license plate right next to me. Or, you know, we get a lot of truck drivers who are able to report because they're driving. They're, you know, they're like, okay, I'm going to look for yeah. license plates for the next few minutes. Um, so it is often people and they don't expect to be helpful. But, you know, right. th these people do. They walk into a gas station. They walk into a convenience store and someone remembers that physical description or the vehicle. So I guess what we would ask is for you to, um, you know, read it. Um, and think about it and, and look around. I mean, again, you know, I know you have a job. I'm not saying run out to the street right now, but you know, if you're walking to get a cup of coffee or you're going to get your kids, I mean, take, take note of the cars parked around right. you, take note of people you see. 
Um, that's really what we're, we're asking. And it, it, again, it seems like I get these all the time. I've never spotted a kid, but I mean, there are really amazing stories of, you know, it just, it took that, the one right person who got that image and did yeah. the call. Um, and you know, the way the national system works is, is so, and then if you see them, you call 911. Cause if you're getting an Amber alert, there's some sense of immediate harm, um, or danger. So you call 911 right. and you let them know and, and they do send, you know, no matter where you are now, even if you're outside of the area, you thought they were going to be in that local police department will respond and check it out. Um, and we've even have recoveries where someone thought they recognized one child and police responded and ran plates and realized it was a different person we were looking for. But because oh, the that's wonderful was too. Like queued up to look at weird dynamics between people or, you know, whatever, it was like something, something pinged for that person. And it turns out it wasn't even the right, you know, so, I mean, those, you know, obviously rare, but, um, but they happen. So, so that's what we're asking you to right. do with those. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, we did want just one last sliver of this conversation. We participated in a reality show. Um, so, so this was a scenario that was designed, uh, in our case, it was this guy dressed up as someone from the electric company, right? Um, uh, designed to see what the children would do. And I guess my question for you is, what do you think the value is in creating scenarios like that um, with your children, I mean, not, probably not as far-fetched and, and complex as what the production company did, but right to, in effect, see what your children will do in those scenarios. Yeah, I mean, the, what we promote is for parents to, to talk through um, hypotheticals like that. So we have a whole handout in that Kids Smarts program I mentioned, that safety scenarios, and it kind of does walk through, like, what would you do if, and I, you know, someone approaching you in the park, you know, you need to come get me, you need to not go with them to find the puppies. And the electric company was interesting. That's the one I didn't talk about. But I do think <clears throat> as you're getting ready to leave your child at home alone, that's one of the rules you go through. Um, I, so I think the key is, you know, talk about scenarios, talk about what if, I actually think that's a really good learning tool. Um, and, and I think for adults, we we're scared to do that because we're kind of thinking like, because you're going to get abducted and you don't have to do the because part with little kids. You can just say, right. and they're used to rules. The rule is you don't go with someone you don't know. You don't get in the car unless you are sure you know that that's the right person to pick you up, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if I would promote, um, doing the, trying to trick them. Um, just because I feel like I, I always think with safety rules, we as parents should be really transparent with our kids. I don't believe in like checking the text messages after they go to bed. I think if you're reading mm. text messages and I think a lot of parents do, I don't think it's a bad practice, but it's done collaboratively. So I don't mm. like the idea of like trying to trick your kids. Cause I feel like it undercuts the trust you're trying to build. And so I think all of that should be done collaboratively. So, but you could certainly use examples. Like if that doesn't go well, if you, you know, say you didn't prepare your kid to be home alone, they're not that old, and you're just out back gardening, and they open the door for someone like that, then afterwards, that's a good time, just as you would any other time they break one of your rules, which they probably do from time to time, you say, okay, so I understand why you opened the door for that person. And maybe it, maybe it's legit. Maybe it's like, I forgot to tell you the air conditioner guy is coming. I'm glad you let him in. But in the future, remember, you should always come get me. And if I'm not home, you shouldn't answer the door. And I really... Great. One of my kids is just now old enough to be left alone, and we really run through that. And he's like, well, what if this person – I'm like, you just don't open the door. It's 30 minutes. And he, yeah. you know, there's no reason you need – and now with the age of cell phones, I mean, that person can text me and say they're on the porch. And I can relay right. the message, you know? So there's not really a reason right. for them to open the door. So I don't think I'm, I'm in favor of setting your kids up like that. But I do think you can talk through things ahead of time. 
And then if things don't go well, or even if they go well, but you're like, you know, next time, let's not count on, (laughs) you know, I understand you went home in the neighbor today, but like next time, let's not do that. So I think kind of the pre-planning and the debriefing um, is better than trying to, um, you know, set up a scenario. I, I, I don't think I'd recommend that as a good tactic. Thank you so much. Susan, that was yes. great. It was, it was really, great. really helpful. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Daddy Square, the Gay Dads podcast. We're back from an interview. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. I, I have to say this. This TV show that we talked about had an episode that was almost entirely given over to this stranger danger topic. But here's the thing. And and sorry to be a little egotistical, we just did an interview with someone who actually knows what she's talking about, yeah. who took the time to focus on the details of the way this works, the way to protect your children, the way to not overprotect your children. And I wish that whether it's television or radio or podcasts or newspapers or whatever, I wish that people would take the time to talk about things that aren't always the most sensation, aren't always the most, oh, it's exciting, it crackles with energy, and instead focus on what really matters. So I want to thank Susan Kennedy for taking the time to talk us through this stuff in a way that really matters. Yeah. And just to recap some of the things that I paid attention to really carefully in this um, interview is the difference between secret and surprises. Oh, yeah. You know, she was talking about the surprises to make someone happy and it's temporary. Secret is to keep forever. So you have to uh, think about that and explain that to your kids. Um, Safety uh, in online games. It's that kind of something we talked about in in the Roblox episode that we did earlier this season. Mm -hmm. She talks about not who the person is, but how they are behaving. Right. So, you know, and I and I have to say, I have to admit that she kind of even tackled me, even though I think I I know enough about this subject and I'm I'm trying to I'm having an ongoing conversation with our kids about this. About the fact that I'm still behind as far as the online is concerned. Like I'm still thinking that don't talk to people right. that you don't know online. I'm still there. Well, you're also she quite says, old. She says, like we have to change there and I'm willing to I'm willing to try that. Um, but it has to be like with a lot, a lot of supervision sure. and, and guidance. Um, and also the check first rule. I mean, you know, this is something that so powerful to the kids. Like here, I have something to do and I have to, I'm taking control and I love, I just love this check first. Yeah. Um, I want, I want to go back to a, a former episode that we did earlier this season about navigating fears with Dr. Tina Payne Bryson. Mm-hmm. She gave a good coaching to parents and how to talk to uh, our children about tricky people. She calls it not necessarily strangers. Right. So I want us to listen again to this uh, segment, Alex. Yeah, let's do it. My favorite language around this, I learned it from Patty Fitzgerald from Safely Ever After. And I actually told my pediatrician about this because she talked about stranger danger. That's confusing to kids because strangers are friendly and they are people who help us. Yeah. And we meet strangers all the time. So the language I use from Patty is um, talking about tricky people, people who trick you, people who are not safe people, which are not necessarily strangers, right? They're often your family members. There are family members of the ones that are most dangerous to our kids, the people we know when it comes to sexual abuse and those kinds of things. So what we want to do is tell our kids like, 
when you have a kid who's kind of watching someone and they're kind of pulling back, this is all part of consent too. like, don't force your kids to hug someone that they're uncomfortable with. They're in charge of their own bodies, you know, all. So we do these things, you know, during bathtub time, your kids are starting to touch each other's private parts. That's a great moment to say, you can touch your own private parts, but you don't get to touch anybody else's private parts, right? You have, and so, you know, the only person that can touch your private parts is you or dads or doctor when dads are in the room, right? Yeah. So we want to use these opportunities. We tell our kids, if someone is is telling, like I always told my kids, if my, if anybody tells you that you have to keep a secret, that is not okay. Any secret you need to that come and secret, talk, tell me yeah. about. So, yeah, so so we really empower them in micro moments all the time. But in the moment, let's say you're at a park, you can say, I need to have, I need to be able to, if you can't see me, I can't see you. I need to be able to see you to keep you safe. And then you teach your kids and safely ever after is Patty's website. She's got all kinds of great stuff on there is to say, if someone makes you feel uncomfortable, you have a really wise brain and body pay attention to that and come and tell us because there are people who try to trick people. It's not very many people, but trust yourself and you can always come and talk to us. So, and then as they get older, the conversations are about guns in people's homes and, you know, the conversations change over time and and the language we use, but we want to be mostly giving them the message. We're going to keep you safe. And then as they get older and have more and more freedoms, you can keep yourself safe. Thank you, Dr. Tina Payne Bryson. Uh, this is it. I have you uh, are starting to get this point of how we view this, even though we're apparently, according to ABC, the worst. We're the worst parents in America. <laughs> Woohoo! Daddy, that's QR.com. You know, um, my husband and I have had really different reactions to uh, you know, being voted off the island in the show, etc. And I think it's really telling. I don't think either one of us are right or wrong in our responses, but when somebody tells me or in some ways indicates to me that I'm bad at something, it depends on how I feel about how I am at that thing. If I'm actually confident that I'm good at it, their criticism or what they have to say doesn't really have any effect on me. On the other hand, if I have a complete lack of confidence and that I'm maybe I'm no good, then those criticisms will get in and will have a really profound effect. And you know what? I don't think I'm a great parent. I don't think I know the answers to everything. I know that I love my children desperately, and I know that I am protecting them and caring for them as best I can. And so the input of these other people, it is interesting. I listen, but it doesn't hit my heart. Yeah, and I have to say that I'm unlike you. I, I, I think on one hand, none of the judgment that was ever said about me was something that I didn't say about myself, yes. right? <laughs> yes. Believe me, like I'm my worst uh, critic. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, I have to say something about judgment about parents. Guys, this is so hard. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try... I'm going to try not to uh, cry right here, but it's like, it's so hard to be judged like that. And everyone thinks they know better than you about how to raise your child. Yeah. And it just makes you feel so insecure and so like alone. I mean, I don't know I don't, if we've, I, I mean, I say you, I, I mean me, it's just that, you know, this is how I am, I guess. I, I guess maybe I shouldn't have gone on this Oh no 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 we shows, oh no 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 we 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 shouldn't have gone on the show but but you know 
One of the things that we have tried really hard for five seasons to do on this podcast, and I don't know if we've done it, but we've tried really hard, is to make this about talking about things yeah. and not about um, coming from a position that we have any idea what the right way to go is. We don't. We learn. Um, but this is, you know, I think most people would agree that raising a kid is the most important thing you will ever do in your life. And so when people criticize it and judge it, they're going right to the center of the thing that matters most to you in the world. Yeah. So let's all be very, very careful about the way we do that with each other. Uh, let's look at uh, things to praise rather than things to judge. I love that idea. Man of in Baby's Corner. Oh, yes. Guess what the subject is today, Alex? <laughs> I suspect it's just accidentally relevant. What if a friend steps forward and offers to become a surrogate? Stranger danger? <laughs> this happens quite often, and Ron Puldayan, the executive director of Man Having Babies, is going to talk to us about this. All right. This is Man Having Baby's Corner. One of the issues that come often is I have a sister or a good friend could she serve as an egg donor or a surrogate for us? This comes also in the context of how can I cut the costs of our surrogacy journey? And our first advice on that is that that is not the right context. The reality is that the surrogates that would be uh, typically matched to you by any reputable agency, really, uh, would be many times one out of 30 that they screen. And uh, the cost associated with starting a journey with a surrogate that's not medically approved are enormous. And the likelihood that your friend or your sister will be uh, one of those, one of 30 that is suitable to be uh, a surrogate are not that high. Um, I would say that what we see more often is that people are asking a friend or, or a family to act as their egg donor. Uh, now, that's not also a, a slam dunk because, of course, egg donors are also rigorously screened. However, uh, the medical screening is much less rigorous. And if she's within a certain age range, uh, most uh, importantly, less than 35 years old, uh, then likely, the likelihood is much higher that she could be your egg donor. And guess what? Uh, my husband and I, in fact, uh, had uh, my sister-in-law, my, my husband's sister, act as our egg donor, and she's, uh, you know, a great aunt, and uh, we're all uh, very happy with the outcome. Uh, either way, professionals have to be involved. Uh, a doctor, uh, a social worker, whoever typically does the screening for the surrogates and the egg donor has to also do the screening for your family or friend. And in fact, all the legal contracts that are required for egg donors or surrogates that are uh, suggested by an agency are even more important in the case of family and friends because this is when things could sometimes go wrong if you uh, cut the corner and expectations are not uh, well adjusted. For more information, go to menhavingbabies.org. Thank you, Ron Paul, Diane, and thank you, Man Having Babies. Please log on to manhavingbabies.org for more information. And also, they have coming up conferences in 2023. You should check out that, too. Um, I still recommend, by the way, contract with, between friends, even if it's your friend. My God, I know, mean, It doesn't yeah. matter. Some, some people are kind of, it feels kind of uncomfortable. But as I think it's kind of break that discomfort if you talk about how uncomfortable this is, but you have to make the contract. Yeah. 
Yeah, you kind of do. Uh, but anyway, you should consult with a lawyer, whether yes or no, if you don't want to do that. Just consult with a lawyer before you do that. That would be my tip. Yep. Um, that's it for today. Oh, let me just say before we go something that really uh, has been touching me recently, not connected to uh, Stranger Danger or some silly television show or anything else like that. You know, I got, uh, we got an email. We love getting emails at hello at daddysqr.com. Please do that. Um, we got an email from a wonderful uh, a guy who is originally from Iran. Uh, I don't think he lives there anymore. Um, and, you know, he had a lot of input about the show. He writes long emails. He had a lot of input. We like long emails. Yeah. Please continue. Uh, we don't... Uh, uh, we got great feedback from him about the podcast. And one of the things that he said was, hey, how come you've said nothing about the protests in Iran? You know, it may not seem all that relevant, but may, uh, those of you who've been listening to the podcast know I'm half Iranian. Um, and I do want to take a moment to talk about this. You know, those of us who grew up during an era in America where homosexuality was much more in the closet than it is today by by leaps and bounds you know we remember or we understand what's involved in stepping up and saying this is who i am and i am going to stand up for my own rights and yet it has never been anything in america the way it is in iran today and i look at the protesters who are currently protesting primarily for the rights of women but hey it all goes together it's about the opening up of a culture and allowing people to live their lives the way they want to these people aren't just being i don't know shut down they're being killed they're being killed in the streets and yet they're absolutely refusing to stand down and go back to their hidden lives where they don't get to live the way they want to. And man, I just don't know how to even think about the bravery that it takes to say, you know what, I need my freedom and my rights so badly that I am willing to put my life at risk to get them. And so to everyone in Iran who is fighting to be able to live their lives the way they want to, you know, Daddy Squared says, you rock and we are behind you. I hope America is behind you in the best way that we can be. Um, and Gorbanetun began. That's it with that uh, <laughs> curse you just said. I'm it's not a curse. <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye. Uh, the next episode is about food. So if you criticize us about the cake for breakfast, please listen to that because it's also going to be very interesting. They don't know. <laughs> they haven't all watched this television show for God's sake. But yes, we Maybe. will solve this and many other problems. So please join us, Daddy Squared. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to continue to write to us. We really need and love your support. Hello da at daddysqr.com. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.